0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Crafts Point Baptist Church today. We're glad you're here today. It's a great day to, to be in God's house. The sun shining outside. The sun is shining inside, too, right? Amen. All right, we're glad you're here. We pray that today would be a meaningful day of worship for each one of us here today. Uh, Pastor Scott is not here today, and as you uh, probably know, if you get our cross-talk prayer request. he's home, uh, uh, quarantining at home with with COVID, he tested positive for COVID this week, so just pray for Pastor Scott and uh, Carla as well, she's not tested positive yet, doesn't have any symptoms, but uh, what we want to do right now is on Facebook, I think you got it it rolling back there, we're going to, everybody turn around and give uh, Pastor Scott a nice wave and let him know we're praying for him today. We're praying that, that he'll get uh, well quickly and that the uh, symptoms don't get too severe. And I think I talked to him a couple times yesterday and he's doing fairly well and, and uh, staying at home. So we're just praying that he'll get better and be able to be back in a uh, couple of weeks and, and get back to his normal uh, ministries that he loves to do. So, uh, but we're going to still continue to worship the Lord this morning and lift our voices unto him. And, and uh, so today be here on purpose. That might be something Pastor Scott would say, right? Be here on purpose. Don't just put your time in this morning. Be here on purpose. So let's uh, have a word of prayer as the uh, uh, praise team comes up and they'll lead us in some songs of worship. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our day today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, opportunity to be in your house today and, and to just share the love that you have for us. We pray that you would just help us to uh, focus on you in our songs as we lift our voices unto you. May our hearts uh, turn to you this morning. May all the distractions uh, be put aside. May we listen intently to the words that are sung and as we sing, may we apply them to our hearts. And as the word of God goes forth this morning, may we each one apply it to our own hearts that we be changed to serve you better, to live for you. And maybe even today, there'd be one here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that today they might come to know him as personal Savior in a very special way. We thank you. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. All right, we're going to challenge you this morning and see how awake you are with our first song. We've done it, but it's been a little while. It's called Prince of Peace. And what's going to happen, uh, Spencer, if you want to go ahead and put the first slide up there, So, for the verses, men, we're going to sing the first line, you are holy, and after that, ladies, you'll echo. Now, during the chorus, you're going to see the same format, a line, and you're going to see uh, the line in parentheses underneath. They sing at the same time. So, Jessica's over here holding you ladies up. So, follow her during the chorus. If you can't get it, you can sing the main stuff. It'll all work out. It sounds great either way. But we're going to have some fun praising our Lord this morning with Prince of Peace. (music) Make sure it's on. You are holy.
2: You are mighty. You are worthy. Worthy of praise. I will follow. I will live. And I will. Powerful name.
1: that's what we lift up to you this morning Lord you brought us through another week through highs and lows you have been there and your faithfulness is far above any that we could ever imagine or even be faithful ourselves but God we lift up your name for your faithfulness you have a name above all names God we lift you up this morning we praise you because there's nothing in this world that can change the fact that you are worthy of all glory of all honor and all praise and that's what we offer to you this morning From ourselves, God, from our souls, out of gratitude of what you've done for us, we lift you up because you and you alone deserve praise, honor, and glory forever. Because Pastor Roger, as he opens your word and you speak life into our lives, God, as you conform us to the image of your son, God, would you bring change in our hearts, change in our minds. May our lives be different this morning because we have met with you, the sovereign king, Lord, because of your faithfulness, would you through your spirit enable us to live that faithfulness back to you that you deserve. Thank you for the service in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.
0: Morning, everyone. Welcome to Cross Point. We're glad you're here today. Today is a, a day that could change somebody's life. We don't know whose life it might change, but if the Holy Spirit—and I know He will—if he do, He's doing His work, then our lives definitely can be changed. Uh, this morning, I just want to uh, take a moment to uh, mention our golf outing that we had yesterday for the men. We've been planning that for quite a while and uh, uh, it's been a it was a great day yesterday the the weather cooperated we had a little bit of wind but uh, it didn't affect my team's uh, hits very much because I usually was hitting them on the ground or something like that and uh, so uh, but we had a great time and as Greg and Tom were on my team and one of Greg's friends we we uh, didn't score very well But we all uh, came away saying we had a great time of fellowship and and, uh, that kind of thing. And that was the um, goal of the day, was just to have a great time uh, of friendship and fellowship with people of our church and those even uh, outside of our church that joined us uh, for that event. But it was a good day and... and, uh, uh, I think some of us are are kind of worn out from it and maybe a a little bit raspy and all those kind of things uh, from the the cool air and all of that but uh, we're uh, we're glad we had it and and enjoyed a good time i want to thank mike jones for all his work on that as well and pastor scott and uh, a lot of sponsors some of you in here even sponsored our outing and that means that you gave a little bit of money to help buy prizes and things like that and so thanks for uh, those uh, that sponsored our teams uh, and uh, our outing. And then thanks to some of the ladies that, that pitched in as well. And uh, so I had to get those plugs in here so everybody could, could know that we had uh, a successful day. And it was thanks to a lot of other people. So it was fun. So today I want to uh, give you a challenge to be transformed by the power of God. And I'm going to ask the question, the title of the sermon today is, How Should We Then Live? As a believer, knowing our redemption is secure in Jesus Christ, we've been forgiven, we've got a home in heaven, we have eternal life even this very moment as a believer. What then should we do with our lives? Do you think that God had intended that we would just Enjoy a, a, a happy-go-lucky life as a believer that we could just come and, and go as we please and not expect any uh, requirements on our life and what God would want us to do and how we should live. And so the challenge this morning is for us to understand, knowing as believers, if you're a believer today, that our, our uh Life is bought and paid for through Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. And with that, we do have a responsibility. We do have the uh, obligation to change our lives. Um, I'm already jumping in, uh, my, looking at my notes in my head. Uh, I just want you to know... The Holy Spirit came and indwelled our our lives when we were born again. And so from that point, we have a changed life. We have the ability to change day by day through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit as He leads us and guides us and fills us as we go. I want to cover two passages of Scripture this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, part of that. And part of Philippians chapter 3, part of that. And we'll have other scriptures as well around. Now I want to read a poem. And I'm not big on poems, but this is a song. And it just uh, one of my favorite songs uh, that's uh, from Bill and Gloria Gaither. And you may or may not, I, I just was uh, introduced to this song maybe a few years ago. Uh, but it's an old one. Uh, so I'm going to read it. It's got three stanzas, and it's worth reading to apply our hearts to this, this message. So just listen closely, and we'll, we'll share them. I then shall live as one who's been forgiven. I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid. I know my name is clear before my father. I am his child. And I am not afraid. So greatly pardoned, I'll forgive my brother. The law of love I gladly will obey. I then shall live as one who's learned compassion I've been so loved that I'll risk loving too. I know how fear builds walls instead of bridges. I'll dare to see another's point of view. And when relationship demands commitment, then I'll be there to care and follow through. Your kingdom come around and through and in me. Your power and glory let them shine through me. Your hallowed name, I may, oh, may I bear with honor. And may you, living kingdom, come in me. The bread of life, oh, may I share with honor, and may you feed a hungry world through me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, we come and and study your word and hear your message as you would have it to be presented today, but we need change in our lives. We need to be refreshed transformed not to turn over a new leaf or to be a better person but to allow your Holy Spirit to work in our lives to make us what you would want us to be thank you for your salvation and then help us today Lord to ask ourselves how then shall I live we pray all these things in Jesus name amen So there are several words that that come rolling around in my head when I think about that uh, that question, how should we live, And, and we think about faith and obedience, knowledge, sacrifice, commitment, all those are great words. But I'm going to talk about two words primarily that stand out in my mind, changed and transformed. Change is something that we all need. It's an ongoing part of life. Essentially, change is the new norm, right? You hear that in the work locations a lot of times. Change is the new thing, except change. And change for the sake of change is useless. But change to make a difference is valuable. People's spiritual lives call for more than slight changes in our daily life. Their lives are in need of transformation, yours and mine. We need to be transformed. Transformation is not about trying harder or having a better life. Mark Twain reportedly said that church is good people standing in front of good people teaching them to be good people. Well, if that's a true statement, then we're in trouble. That's not what church is about. That's not what our Christian walk is about. That's not what God wants us to do for Him in our daily walk uh, as believers. It's not about being good people. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And I'll get to, to uh, Ephesians chapter 4 here momentarily. But if you want to turn there, or Brad will put it up on the, uh, the screen maybe. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Stop right there. It's it's only reasonable that because we've been made new and afresh and indwelled with the Holy Spirit, that we shouldn't be the same as we were before we were a believer. Pretty straightforward. Our body should be a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The change that people need is not simply about being a better person. That would be a gross misunderstanding of change and transformation. We're to be uh, changed. To be a living sacrifice, that doesn't mean we have to go to the altar and be slain. That's not the type of sacrifice. It's that that committed life that, that gives us the ability to live for Him, being a slave or a bondservant to Jesus Christ, as Paul wrote in his epistles, that He was a bondservant, a slave of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are to uh, to be. The gospel is bigger than just a simple moralism, getting better, right? You know, the world teaches that. The world teaches that we should just all get better and live together and be happy, and, and that'll solve all of our problems. And that's a falsehood. We are not going to get better because our hearts are... Deceitfully wicked above all things, who can know it? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we be changed and be different and make a difference in this world for Jesus Christ. So I'm not talking about a change in moralism, just being better. I'm talking about a gospel change. A change because what God has done in your life and mine. The church can at times and maybe cross point or maybe not cross point can communicate the need for people's change in our lives and i think pastor scott and and through our teaching uh... ministries uh... emphasize that we need to be followers of god and live for him and in all of those things that are rolled up in this transformation our uh... our goal and objective is is to follow god's word we read god's word through in a year and and, uh, you know, we talk about daily Bible study and how to live and, and all of those things. So it's, it's not um, necessarily cross point, but you might be sitting in the midst of all that and think, well, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Just is that what God wants? Is that the, the change that God is expecting in our lives? I don't believe that the Holy Spirit has that intended after Christ died on the cross and rose again to give us a new life that He would anticipate us just being satisfied with the old one. There is a far away... Let me read this correctly. (laughs) There is a far away... God has a better way to make you a better person than just being a, a good moral person. That's not the gospel. We don't want to produce good religious people. We see what becomes of good religious people from the encounters Jesus had with the Pharisee and the Sadducees and, and how they uh, were protective of their own positions and authority, and that's what they wanted to to maintain, and they wanted to be good. They wanted to be religious, but they weren't willing to change. God wants to see people transformed at a spiritual level, rather than just changing behavior. You know, if if we just set a bunch of rules out there for God to, uh, uh, for for the church to lay out for you to follow. You'd follow a lot of those rules, I'm sure. But that is not what God intends. That only makes behavior different. It doesn't change the person from the inside. Change often comes in the, in the form of a resolution, like a New Year's resolution. But change, uh, transformation does not come from decisions made on January 1st about how you're going to be a better person next year. Instead, it comes from recreation. The recreation that comes from new life in Jesus Christ. It's not the ability to try harder, but it's a life entrusted to Jesus Christ. It's not the ability to to say, I'm going to do better. That's what a resolution says. It says that I'm going to allow God to work in me, to change me. So when we say change or translate it to mean gospel change, that's what we want to understand. It's a gospel change and not the same thing as trying harder. In fact, it's, there's no trying involved at all. We don't try to be better in gospel change. Transformation be, occurs not because of what we do, but because of what Christ has done already. So now, that was an introduction, and I'm going to share three things, three principles about change that we all need. And then I'm going to give a solution for those changes. The first one is real change starts with, real li- with new life, not just a new leaf. Look in Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 17 through 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. Who, being past feeling, have been given them, uh, been given themselves over to lewdness, to all work, uh, to work of all uncleanness with greediness. So stop right there. Let me just say that's the plight, that's the plight of the lost person. They're blinded. They're in darkness. You were in darkness until the light of life, Jesus Christ, came into your life. You were in darkness, and that's that's what we have to recognize. That we have changed. When the Holy Spirit came in to change us and dwell us, we changed. And we were dead in trespasses and sin. Now we've been made alive in the newness of life in, in Him. So that's today. That's not some future that we're going to get someday when when we go to heaven. We've got that new life today. So let's read on in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. It says You didn't, you didn't learn Christ how to, to, to uh, live on your own. You learned in Christ that if you, ha- if you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's our, that's our objective in this Christian walk is to uh, put off the old and put on the new. Put on that new uh, life that Christ has uh, given us as we've uh, been and dwell with the Holy Spirit. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God. So we don't have to live in that that uh, dead blindness of sin that we were saved from. We need to live in the newness of life. The very heart of Christian faith revolves around change, but it's not turning over a new leaf. It's living out a new life. Christian transformation always involves transformation, passing something, uh, putting away something old, and putting on the new. And, and in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32, there's five things of change that every believer needs to understand. Let's read it. Chapter 4, verses 25 through 34, uh, 32. Therefore, number one, putting away lying. That's not the Christian uh, way to lie. Christ didn't give us a. a Uh, a life of lying but he said I will guide you into all truth through the spirit in John chapter 16 it says put away lying let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for you are members of one another number two be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. So don't be angry, and that's that's not that's not uh, talking about that righteous anger that something makes you you upset because it goes against what God wants. This is anger that that spills out from a, a undisciplined life that you're not you're not controlling how you should react in a situation. That anger is is something that. That catches us by surprise, and we can we can shout uh, and spout off quickly, right? The the tea kettle with the steam, it it uh, it kind of blows its top, and that's that anger that we run into. It says, "Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath." That's telling us to think about that situation and resolve it. Don't just fly off the handle and think that everything's all better now because you got to, to, uh, blow off some steam. It says, nor give place to the devil. Don't let him get a foothold. If if you can't control your dis, uh, discipline yourself to control your anger, the devil wins. That's not the life that the victorious life that Christ wanted for us. Uh, Number three, verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. That's not the life that Christ wanted for us, to steal and to to, uh, desire the things of others. That's not what Christ wants for us. He says, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that you may have something to give him who has need. He says, don't steal and and take for yourself. That stealing is is demonstrating a selfishness. Taking that thing that you desire and keeping it for yourself. To steal is to to hoard and to keep and to, to take it away from somebody else. But he says, rather labor so that you can give to somebody that else has need. That's the Christian heart. That's the the desire that we ought to have that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Do you look around at your neighbors? Do you look around at your friends, uh, the people that you run in, uh, work with, that you run uh, around with, do, do things with? Do you see the need that they have? Maybe it's a spiritual need. Are your your, uh, antennas up, your spiritual antennas, to know that they have a need in in their lives and that you can can, uh, help them because you have the Holy Spirit in your life? And number four, let no corrupt word precede out of your mouth. Verse 29. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Don't speak evil. Don't do things that are going to offend and and cause strife among other people. He says, don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good and necessary for edification is to build up. Are you an encourager or a discourager? Are you someone that, that knows what God has done for you and says, how should I then live? I'm going to live to encourage other people. We've got some encouragers and some edifiers as, uh, in this church family here. And, and I hear that from them and I get encouraged. And I, I feel better that I can serve my Lord because of the encouragement that I'm given sometimes. Hopefully, uh, you feel the same way. And then number five, let all bitterness, verse 31, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Those are the things, that's the progression of anger, and it starts it with bitterness in your heart, and it turns to anger, and it grows to evil speaking and backbiting and, and all of those things. It says to be put away from you with all malice. Malice is that uh, evil intent. You're just, just so mad, you just don't care. You want to get back. That's, that's bad. That's not what we want. But, verse 32, be kind one to another. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. Don't be angry and and hurtful to other people. Be kind and tenderhearted. That's the the outcome and the outpouring of what God would want in our lives as believers. That's transformation. Taking those things that are in our lives and putting, putting them aside, putting them away so that we can be kind and loving and demonstrating what Christ has done for us in our lives. And we can share that with other people. He says, forgiving one another, even as God had in Christ forgave you. That's what we need to see and understand. Do you forget that from minute to minute, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? He did it while we were unloving and unlovable. But he loved us anyway. You know, you can't be good enough to get God to love you anymore? God, don't, God will never love you any more than He already does. When you were a sinner and He died on the cross, He loved you the very same. So do we understand that we, in turn, ought to be using that love that we could demonstrate how to live for Him and how to uh, share that with other people and let them know that, that God loves them just as much as He loves us? Too many people misunderstand all of that and they believe if I change, then God will like me more. The bid to be better accompanies the hope of divine blessing. We say, well, I'm going to be better and God will bless my life more. No, He he died on the cross when we were unlovable. He can't bless our lives any more than that. It's a false change when we think that. It's, It's... Religious hypocrisy to say, I'm going to be better. That's not what God intended. He works through us that he might make us better. It's a misunderstanding in uh, in the teaching of the gospel to say that I can do better. Christ does better through uh, the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's been said this way. I'll read this. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. Christianity says, I am accepted, therefore I obey. Let me read that again. It's been said this way. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. See? It's a false statement. We can't be good enough to be accepted on our own merits. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Titus chapter 3. I am accepted, and therefore I obey. That's what Christ wants in our lives. He wants us to to love Him because of the the finished work that He's done in our lives. Sometimes, and and I'm throwing this at me too, how can I just sit there and not, not be willing to do what God wants me to do? Not be willing to change and be transformed. Nicodemus uh, came to Jesus by night, religious person, had the pedigree, had all of those things, religious, moral, no doubt, in his, in his life, very religious. But he says what Jesus answered in verse 3 of John chapter 3, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't work enough to go to heaven. You can't work enough to please God. Nicodemus didn't need more rules, did he? He needed a new life. And that's what Christ has done for us as believers. If you're not a believer, you need a new life. You need a new change of spirit in your heart. Number two, real change is a process, not a destination. That's sanctification. It's changing day by day, becoming what Christ wants us to be. He's not, he's not uh, we're not perfect and complete in our actions today, right? Because we, we have uh, the Holy Spirit, but and I've mentioned this and I say this maybe uh, quite often. You know, when the Holy Spirit's in the driver's seat of our life, we're following him, we won't sin. But the minute that we put him in the backseat and we take over the wheel, then we're sinning, we're separating and we're doing what uh, we wanna do as opposed to, to what God wants us to do. So it's not a, it's not a destination, it's a, it's a process day by day. That's why we call it a walk, a walk with him. It's that fellowship, that communion day by day as we grow, Uh, learning more about how Jesus Christ wants us to live. Nobody ever gets to the place where they're uh, everything God wants them to be this side of eternity. We never get there. But the minute that we uh, pass from this life unto the next, then we we see things clearly. But on this side of eternity, we are uh, bound by our our, uh, flesh and blood and and the nature of of sin that battles in our our spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, but we have that same nature. And so as long as the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, uh, we're fine. But the minute that we push him aside and get in that driver's seat, uh, we fail. We fall short. Our life is one of growth. The transformation we encounter because of the gospel is how God is shaping our lives to mirror Jesus. The Sunday school lesson that I've been teaching Teaching is walk like Jesus, and we can do that. And uh, that's what he wants, that we should mirror his life. Paul wrote to uh, the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 6, "...being confident of this very thing, that he who has been, begun a, a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ." Notice the phrasing there. He says, you will complete, uh, "...who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ." He's completing it every day, making us, should be making us different every day. That's His objective as the Holy Spirit. He'll complete it and get us to where we need to be, but we need to be a willing uh, participant in that. God is starting and completing that work of transformation in us. The ability to change happens at the moment of our salvation, the process then takes the rest of our lives. Peter, uh, Peter wrote in 2 uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 4, By these He has given us a very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world through lusts, those fleshly desires. We are uh, able to escape that corruption because we live in, uh, with the Holy Spirit within our lives. This transformation... Uh, is spelled out in Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's the purpose of what God wants for us in our lives, is to be conformed to his image, to become more like Jesus Christ day by day, conforming to him. It's no overwhelming thought that God would share His divine nature with us. Think about that. He is, when we were sinners, and while we're sinners, He gives us His divine nature to live like He lives, to be able to to, uh, have the power over sin in our lives. He gets nothing out of that deal, but He is the giving, sending, sacrificing God who desires to root out sin in our life and replace it with his own character. That's what he wants for our lives. Transformation ho- happens in a moment to secure the person's eternity, but it should be co- consistently happening moment by moment to change the person daily. That's sanctification. Number three, change is letting go and grabbing hold. Change doesn't, uh, God doesn't force anyone to change. Let me say that again. God doesn't force anyone to change, but he calls us and commands us to change. He says things like, be holy for I am holy. And it sounds like an impossible task. But it's not impossible through the Holy Spirit who indwells us. That transformation comes to us uh, spiritually spiritually. Empowering us to move from religious behavior to spiritual acceptance of God's work. So we try to get better and we realize that doesn't work. But when we look for God's plan and follow that, that's accepting God's plan and work. Paul put it this way in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 through 24. I read part of this before. But you have not so learned Christ... For if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We're called to put off the old man and put on the new. But we all know that change is difficult. Here's Several reasons why change doesn't occur in our lives. Because people are stubborn. Have you ever tried to get something from a, a, a two-year-old's hand? Right? And they're doing this and you can't get a hold of them and you can't get it from them because they have this desire to keep that toy. And you can't get it from them. And we're exactly the same way. We desire to keep those things that we have and we're not willing to give them up because we're stubborn. We're not willing to let go and have God's way in our lives. We're just like them. We gain laser focus on what we hope to keep. Not looking at what God's possibilities could be for our lives. I I say this, uh, said this before, the tears of tears of heaven when we stand before the Lord and, and the tears that we might shed I think really could be the tears of us understanding what really God had planned for us that we neglected to take advantage of I think God wants us to be more than we ever dreamed of in our lives and this isn't a message to say you can be better God can do a work in our lives. That's the point. Because people are stubborn, because people are trapped. You ever try to trap an animal whether it's out in the in the wild and you got a trap that you or you're just trying to catch your dog and put it in the cage so you can leave for a few hours. One way or the other, you got to entice them with the things that they enjoy. <clears throat> so you trap them either with food, with some sort of bait, or with um, a toy or something like that. And we're exactly the same way. We're trapped with the things that we have. We don't want to let go and we have a myopic focus that we're going to take and and, uh, go after that thing and we're not going to give it up because that's ours. And so we don't realize that we're being trapped by those things that we want to hold on to. Three, because people are comfortable. I did a little search, Google search here, and uh, did you know what? Out of 120 households in the United States, 2 million still use a, 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 a network phone, you know, with a, a plug-in and a wire and all of that, and that a good portion of those use dial rotary phones, you know. Why in the world would somebody still do that? Now, Go ahead, be honest. Does anybody do that? Okay, there's still some out there, and they work. They still work. Why would somebody use a rotary phone when they have all the technology of that smartphone that can do so many things, and it's so great? Because we're comfortable. We're satisfied with the things that that we know and we're most familiar with, and we don't want to change. And in our lives, we're satisfied with with the things that we have and we don't want to change. We don't want to give them up. I don't want to give that up. I hope God doesn't ask me to give that up. Right? That's that's that idea and concept about being comfortable with what we have and not willing to change for God not knowing what he has in store for us. Are there places like that in your spiritual life? Absolutely. We get comfortable with the sins that we keep and they keep us from knowing Christ better. Number four, because we're afraid. Nobody likes change. Change is rough. <clears throat> Fear of the unknown is the primary reason why people don't like to change. Not knowing what God might ask is another reason why people don't want to change. They, they shy away because they are afraid that they might have to be more conformed to the image of Christ. And then number five is because change hurts. Right? It's hard to change. We don't want to give up those things. Churches and individuals, listen to this, churches and individuals will never change until the pain of staying the same grows greater than the pain of change. Do you realize that, that you and I, as believers, We won't change until we are so convicted that God wants us to change that it hurts us. We're comfortable, but I'm challenging today. How should you live as a believer? How should you live then because of what God has done for you? The only question remains for most is uh, what hurts worse? Staying where you are or getting to where God wants you to be. All right, so the extent of the change God wants is worth facing the challenge head-on and allowing Christ to change us through His Spirit. Now, I've got four steps toward change, and that's um, things that I want to look at real quickly. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, and we'll, we'll go through verse 16, uh, but real quickly, we want to we speak about this. Number one, so four things. Number one, count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. If you want to change, you have to know who you're changing for. Right? you got to know Jesus before you're going to change for him. you got to know what he desires for our lives. And, and it's one thing to be saved and, and know, uh, you know, but many of us in this room have been changed for 30, 40, 50 years. And you forgot what it was like to be new and refreshed. And and so, we got to know our Savior. You know, uh, people get married and they say, I'm not changing. You know, newlyweds say, I'm not changing. I'm going to live my life and they're going to change for me. Some of us may have even said that. I don't know. But the point of it is that the more you learn about that person and you love and you grow together... You desire change because you want to please them. So that's the that's the result of being a, a Christian and learning to grow and live with him for him. Is that the more you know about him, the more you want to change for him. Verses seven and eight of uh, Philippians chapter three. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Everything else except knowing Christ is worthless in comparison. We all know that. I think everyone in this room, if you're a believer today, you'd say, I believe that. It's all worthless compared to him but yet we're not willing to to give up those things. One of the things that knowing God is knowing Him through a personal relationship. Knowing God is not an intellectual awareness. You know, it's not having a, a scripture memory program, although that's a good thing, but it's not just how much you can know or learn, but it's knowing Him. It's a deep personal relationship that builds on daily communication through prayer and Bible study, knowing the will of God, walking wisely and righteously. People want to know, what's the will of God for my life? Ephesians 5 verses 15 through 17 uh, says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord boils down to walking righteously. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly or uprightly, righteously. That's doing His will day by day. And as things change, if you're living righteously, you're pleasing Him. So that's following God's will. Now there's plans and there's other things in God's plan that He may want you to do. But His will is to be pleasing unto Him. Whether I eat or drink or whatsoever I do, do all to the glory of God. And the next thing is knowing to, uh, to live for him and how to live for him. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, uh, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I do now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we should count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And we should be crucified with Christ daily. That's what Paul said. And that just starts today. It's daily, remember? it's, It's that lifetime progression. You don't have to be the super Christian tomorrow. You be you today and you tomorrow growing a little bit closer to him every day. Number two that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Verses 8 and 9 says, yet, I in, yet indeed I count all things for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Now here's verse 9, And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So to be found and and gain Christ and to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, that's a step that you and I can take, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, and that's, that's living daily in Him, not having my own righteousness. That means having His righteousness in our lives. Number three, verses 10 and 11 that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and, and the fellowship of His sufferings, be, comforted, or be conformed to His death. In those verses, um, we, we see that, that we need to understand the power of His resurrection. The more we know about Christ and the suffering that He did for us, the more we're going to want to follow Him, that I may know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings you understand the, the, the sacrifice that He made, He gave up heaven on our behalf and came and, and took on the form of a bondservant and took on this world's flesh and sin and carried it all to the cross that we might have eternal life? That's the power of His resurrection that we can have in our lives, we understand that. <clears throat> and then the fourth one and lastly that I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Why did Christ Jesus lay hold of you? Why did Jesus save your soul? For what purpose? Our purpose Romans 8:29 says to be conformed to his image. That's what Christ wants for us. Do you know that that Jesus died for us so that he could have fellowship with us that's what he wants for us that's the the thing that we need to grasp why Christ died for us yeah there's, there's other circumstances surrounding that how he wants us to live and what he wants us to do here on this life but he wants a relationship with us Christ provided salvation to have a personal relationship. That's it. He did it so that he could buy us back from the penalty of sin that we might be able to live with him eternally. Not to be some super Christian, but that we could be you and me just living our daily lives, serving him. And communicating and communing with him. Some in this room in church because you're new believers maybe because you're an unbeliever this this message doesn't impact you you say I got plenty of time to change I'll change some other time I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Others have been in this uh, in, in the, their Christian walk for 20, 30. 40, 50 years. They're saying, I'm not changing. I've been living this way for a long time and I'm happy. I'm not going to let Christ and his desires for me disrupt what I've got going. Change will be very hard. uh, uh, A statement out of the book, Transformational Church. Tom Rainer The author said, we can't choose whether change will come or not, but we can choose whether to embrace it or resist it. And so you're either going to embrace the change of following Christ or you're going to resist it and follow uh, your own path. The alternative to following Christ and biblical transformation is to pick a rut, the rut that you're in, and just make it deeper. God desires for us to be transformed in our lives. The challenge is offered to you all. As believers, are you tired of the status quo? God's calling you to a life of change, of transformation. What could the world do with a group this size to transform uh, and, and win others to Christ? I talked about... How um, Philip was led by the Spirit to the Ethiopian. And because of that, a nation was changed. How many people, because of that one Ethiopian, was able to hear the gospel message? Because faithful was obedient in his life. Or when Jesus went to, uh, through Samaria to, to meet that Samaritan woman. And she went and told her friends. And they all their lives were changed. You know, you've got someone, I've got someone in my life that we don't know the impact of what Christ could do through that one life. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior at all. This is all foreign to you. I'm challenging you today to come and and find out the results, the answer that God would want you to know, that he demonstrated his life, uh, demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, he died on the cross for us. He wants you to have salvation. Salvation is free to everyone, but it costs an awful lot. It costs Jesus Christ his life. But he did it willingly that we might be changed in the moment that uh, moment, the Holy Spirit came in and dwelt us. Let's pray. And if you need to make a decision today for Christ as we uh, the, the uh, praise team comes and sings and leads in an invitation... If you need to make a change in your life, do so. You can come to the altar. I'll be glad to talk with you. But most of all, make sure you do business with the Lord today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the uh, challenge to me to, to change, to be different because of what you've done for us. Help me to be conformed to your image as your scripture teaches. Help this congregation to do business with you, whatever that need might be. If there's someone that needs you as Savior, even today, they would trust you before it's too late. As believers, help us all to respond to your Holy Spirit's guidance. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Andrew leads us, if you'll uh, stand with us, and as he leads in a song, if you need to to make some decision or need to pray you come forward and you can do that here at the altar
3: Just several things I wanted to mention uh, as we're dismissed. Don't forget we have our Facebook live service tonight at 7 o'clock. We have family night on Wednesday night begins at 6.30. That's a lot Award word of life in our adult Bible study. Anybody that's able to help us stack up the chairs after we're done we would certainly appreciate that. Thursday we have grief share at 7 o'clock. And Thursday I would also mention we have uh, the boys uh, conducting the way session at uh, West Claremont High School. Today the the teacher that allows them and, and makes that uh, uh, able to be done is with us. Mr. Ehrman's uh, visiting with his family, so we're thankful for him uh, for allowing our boys to uh, be able to, to serve the Lord in that way. So be praying for them as they meet this Thursday, certainly praying for uh, souls to be saved. The gospel will definitely be presented. Then three other announcements. The birthday luncheon um, is on Wednesday, October the 27th at 1130. That's at Golden Corral. We have our adult costume party here at the church on Saturday, October the 30th at 6 p.m., and don't forget we have our Tharp Holiday House uh, for the kids for the Bible Quest. Anybody that's able and willing to donate uh, toys and other gifts, things that uh, the boys and girls will be able to purchase, be sure to see Pastor Rick, and he can fill you in on what to donate. With that, you're dismissed.